subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are saying as long as there is breath in our bodies, we will not forget you. If we don't deal with this issue now, the problem will get bigger. The lack of empathy. These women need to get over themselves. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. That's a kind of a, a worrying briefing uh, from Neffet yesterday. Uh, look, the numbers are very high, but we're also being told don't focus so much on the daily numbers as on the hospital numbers. But at the same time, the hospital numbers are creeping up in a way we would rather that they didn't. Some people were saying when we opened up around the jazz weekend that another lockdown would be inevitable as a result of all of that. I hope and pray that doesn't end up being the case and we don't end up back in another lockdown. Now, Tony Holohan cannot rule it out. He, he, he can't sit there behind that desk and rule it out. Here's what he did say, though. Restrictions, if we think they're needed, will always be something that we'll give contemplation to and if we think they have a, a role to play in whatever form. And, I mean, the word restrictions is a broad word. Uh, if by, by that you mean the closure of economic and social activities, the closure of certain sectors or segments of society. Nobody's ruling out things like that anywhere, but at the same time, no one has an expectation that we're going to go back into that kind of environment. We're not planning and contemplating on that basis at this point in time. The last bit is the most important bit. At this point in time, we're not planning on that. And then we have Stephen Donnelly. See, there's a man renowned for doing river dance in his own mouth. You know, he doesn't come across well, by the way, in Richard Chambers' book at all. He's saying, if you were thinking of going out to a nightclub three nights, maybe go out two. 
Which one of us goes out to a nightclub three nights in the whole flipping year these days? Like, anyway, we'll see where it goes. It's getting a bit frustrating and depressing. And when you look out at that weather this morning, you know, it would get on top of you very quickly. So don't let it. Don't let it. We'll be all right. We've been all right before. We'll be all right again. It's just worrying times. I, I personally, I think I'd lose my mind if everything was locked down again. I, I really would worry about my own ability to stay on message and my own ability to stay with the programme if if we were locked down again. But it is what it is. I haven't played this in a long time and I'm glad of the opportunity to do it. The two lunatics in 2018 got it together and did that to introduce the Panaban on Patrick Street, which was a great disaster because it didn't work. The only people that can drive up it are buses and shades in vans. Yeah, Casey and Ross from 2018 uh, singing about the Panaban. But now we've got to... Hang on, if I stop this. Shut up, phone. That's another one of those dud calls. That's four of those I've had this morning. Watch out for calls from 082s. 082 doesn't exist. That's the fourth one I've had this morning from an 082 number. Just, just... Sorry. Anyway, Green Party Councillor Oliver Moran now wants to add to the Panaban. It's supposedly from three till half six. And I don't know at all whether it's being enforced... But it's supposed to be from three till half six. And now Green Party Councillor Oliver Moran wants to extend it. It's not working in the first place, Oliver. Why would you extend it? Good morning. I, good morning, PJ. And I think you're right. That's that's one of the reasons to extend it. I, around uh, in September 2019, I, I went down to Patrick Street um, as part of Car Free Day and took part in an action where we, we a group of us attempted to enforce it or attempted to highlight the issue. Um, and... I would say that the number one reaction from motorists is, I didn't know. You know, I, I they're, 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 you know, they turned on to Patrick Street during the restricted hours uh, and didn't know. Um, and I, I think one of the reasons for that is because, like, you know, three to half six, you know, it, it, it's not even half a day. Um, so I, I think just making it clear that there are restrictions on, on Patrick Street is, is, is one way to start making it work. But if people are um, ignoring them then, from three till six, they ignore them all day. But I see. I don't. I don't think people are consciously ignoring it. I think they just. They, most of them just don't know. Uh, and you, you would wonder how you don't know because you like. To, you know, it's written on the ground. You know, there's, there's flashing lights. But at the same time, I, I would take people at that at the word that I spoke to them that day, which was, oh my god, I can't believe it's a bus lane. Um, so I, I, I think one extending it makes it more clear and starting it. You know, early in in the morning, I would suggest. You know, having deliveries done, all the business that needs to be done can be done, and then the, the restrictions come in. But I, I think too, we 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 also need to start considering um, actual, I suppose, measures put in place to to start physically enforcing. It. Like there there are there are ballers that can rise up and down to to, to allow taxis and buses in. Um, there's also uh, you know ideas of using uh, automatic cameras to to you know record people going in and automatically issue issue fines if, if someone is driving on the bus lane. You're but suggesting, I think, that maybe a, maybe the city hall, you know, the parking fine regime from city hall, be extended to take in well, time and breaches. With, 
Well, this is this is a, a, a another interesting kind of part of it. There's only hundred where you can find it's interesting. Um, the city hall can't actually enforce this because it, um, the the traffic wardens can issue a fine if someone parks in the bus lane, um, but only the Gorzi can issue a fine for someone driving on a bus lane. Um, and and you know the issue on Patrick Street isn't anybody you know parking there. It's it's, it's the, the fact that people are just driving through Patrick Street when it's when it's a public transport zone. But the 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 reason this is also back on the agenda um, is because of the, the new plan for bus connects in the city, yeah. which was which was released last week, and so that that's totally reimagined how the bus routes and all the networks work. But that's that 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 plan is on the existing is is on the existing routes with no additional measures. And what's happening in early in the new year is that accompanying with that plan uh, is going to come new proposals for bus priority across the city but Patrick Street is going to have to be one of those because it is a main artery for yeah. public transport and look if it, there's two there's two issues with, with public transport one is frequency the number of buses when you know how fast your journey is but then the other um, is reliability and reliability is in fact what people most get yeah. out about yeah. and, and affects people most and you, you had this I think a week or two ago with um, a, a bus to Glenmire um, and this Patrick Street directly affects that. I mean, as part of that bus yeah. area, we're saying, look, one of the, one of the reasons that bus is so late is because it takes so long to get through Patrick Street. It's only three minute drive. Oliver, Oliver, here's one for you. I'm a bus driver. Says this uh, text. Yeah. I think it's WhatsApp message. Actually, I'm a bus mm-hmm. driver. Some days it takes half an hour to get from Finn's exactly. Corner to the top of Panna. There's no enforcement. Yeah, and, and that's that's exactly what 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 it's about. And there is no enforcement. Um, and uh, you know, look, I've, we, in the city hall, we, we've been we've been pushing the Gordy for enforcement. Uh, but it, it, you know, having having guards there every day of the week, you know, that's not sustainable it, it, either. It, 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 oh, it's not sustainable. We don't have, if we don't have the guards, even if you got all the reserves out, even if you got the baby guards out at Templemore, you still couldn't do it. No, no, and, and look, like I think there there have been there have been initiatives by the guards every now and then to to you know to, to do a kind of a flash on Patrick Street and, and and to you know to remind people that this is there, but sustainably, this is the reason why I'm saying look, it it, it needs to be a more you know fuller portion today, so people know in their minds that Patrick Street isn't a place where I drive. So when ideally would you start it? I look, I I think I would say eleven o'clock. Um, I think that's you know. Late enough in in the morning that you know deliveries and and everything else can happen. But and would I, you allow delivery time. vans and stuff in? Like like who's to know that you don't need an urgent delivery or an urgent bit of maintenance at three in the afternoon on a shop in Patrick Street? You need to get a van in. Yeah, and and there's look there is an element of, of discretion with the Gorthy at the minute, um, and it, this doesn't only affect. Um, you know deliveries. It also it, a, a very significant question around the whole thing is about disabled access yes. um, and access, particularly for the for the disabled parking bays, yeah. which are just off Patrick Street. Because yeah. um, people and, were saying to me, people with blue badges. I remember this back in 2018 when it all started. That yeah. people with blue badges should be exempt from the ban. I, I, I would say so too. Um, I, particularly if if you're you know if, if it is a case that you 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 parked your car. Uh, in one of the disabled bays, and now you just want to get out. Um, now, I, I cannot imagine any guard in the world issuing a, a fine for, for somebody leaving a disabled bay and driving on Patrick Street. But at the same time, mm. you know, 
blue badge holders need to have that assurance that they're not going to, sure, because you know sure. they don't want to break the law, even if they're even if they're doing. So, so whether it. whether it'll happen or not, I suppose the extension of it is a matter of time, and whether it'll ever be enforced properly, there are any sort of questions to be answered there. While I have you, Oliver, and on the similar yep. subject, this message came into us last few days from Tom, um, and. I know what he's talking about because I know exactly where this is. There are no traffic lights at the Patrick's Hill and St. Luke's junctions of Wellington Road. They're both both very dangerous. They put in lights by the school. Surely they need to do that at the beginning and the end of the road too. Yeah, that, that's always struck me as, a, as, a, as an interesting junction because it's, it's really an old... That's your stomping kind of ground, isn't it, like... Yeah, no, it, it is. Now it's going to it's going to change with the uh, upgrades to um, to the Mercurton Street area, uh, because now the the whole routes are you know first of all the, the Patrick's, Patrick's Hill is going to be reversed instead of coming down Patrick's Hill you'll go up it, um, and and there'll be all kinds of changes around there. Now I, I haven't I haven't seen the, a proposal for traffic lights at that junction. Now it is relatively quiet. Uh, but uh, it, it's certainly something I'll, I'll go back and investigate as, as part of the okay. um, as part of the whole McCurtain Street re- rejuvenation. All right, okay, uh, I'll leave it there, Oliver. Thanks. That's Oliver Moran, Councillor Oliver Moran of the Green Party. So the Panaban is completely unenforced. Bus drivers on the phone. There's no enforcement, but Oliver still wants it to be extended till eleven o'clock in the morning. The we don't have enough guards to enforce it. If we brought them all in from Temple Moore in the bus load, we still don't have enough guards to enforce it. But Oliver still wants to extend it to 11 o'clock because he reckons that if you did start it at 11 o'clock, people might finally get the message that Patrick Street is a bus lane. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. 1850-715-996. As it is, people are just ignoring it willy-nilly. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmery. Join me on Sunday morning when we take a look at what's happening in the arts in Cork and help you plan some great nights out at the theatre or see the latest films on release, catch a brilliant music gig or find the perfect book to get stuck into. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Make the perfect chip at home with their chipping potatoes. Once you taste them, you'll be back for more. Now in store. Corks 96FM. Coming up in a while, the president of UCC is under fire because he said that the cost of going to college, three grand a year, is less than some people are paying for private secondary school education and he's wondering why it's so cheap. That's to come. 1857 To the courts we go. And uh, two men, we, we mentioned them last week on the programme and sentencing uh, was to take place yesterday. Uh, the men are Olo Wagabekiweki Lewis and Basharu Adaribike. And they were involved in pop fraud. Uh, Cork 96 Mems news reporter Moraid Tui has been following the story. Hi Moraid. Hi PJ, how are you? Good, they've been back in court again. And they've been they jailed. Have, 
They have. They've been jailed. So the uh, the first uh, man you mentioned there, uh, Oluwagbueke K. Lewis, has been handed uh, for, has been sent to prison for four years. Final year suspended, and uh, Mr. Adaribaka sentenced to three and a half years in prison. So let's also just go through um, um, what led to their imprisonment. So as you said, it was a it was a a PUP fraud a scam that they were involved in. So what they did is they got the email addresses of 74 people who were employed by the HSC, HSC or Tusla and uh, they sent them emails and they'd cloned a Department of Justice website. So when these 74 individuals received the emails, they went and they filled in their personal information, including their PPS numbers, um, believing that they were signing up for jury duty. But what raised, I suppose, a red flag in this situation was these individuals were not impacted per se by COVID and that they were still working so they were not entitled to PUP so it kind of raised red flags that okay these individuals are signing up their PPS numbers were being used so the offences they first came to Garda attention November 6th of last year in 2020 when a Garda on patrol in Middleton stopped uh, Mr Lewis now Mr Lewis is a 36 year old father of two he's uh, an address at Brookdale in Middleton so he was stopped his car was searched um, because the Garda wasn't happy with how he identified himself so they carried out a search and they found passports and bank statements and other names. So the passports had Mr. Lewis's picture, but they had different names attached to them. And uh, they were recovered from his car and he was arrested. So both men, so Bashiru and Aribika, he's 45, he's got five children. Uh, both of them pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit money laundering. Well, Mr. Lewis, he also entered additional pleas and this was in relation to six counts of using a false instrument and one count of being in possession of stolen property, which was a passport. And uh, Mr. Adaribaka was captured on CCTV withdrawing money from bank accounts on 13 occasions. So what happened was they'd set up bank accounts. They'd managed to launder this money through PUP by using these uh, completely innocent employees' Uh, PPS numbers in order to facilitate their scam. So uh, Mr. Adaribaka, he'd withdrawn in excess of €11,000 and he's paid 12000 in compensation, while Mr. Lewis has handed over €5,000 in compensation. So it was yesterday in Cork Circuit Criminal Court it was Judge Helen Boyle. Yeah. Uh, she sentenced Mr. Lewis to four years in prison, the final year in that one suspended on the money laundering charge, but he was sentenced then to two years for the false documents for possessing those, but that to run concurrently within the four years and Mr. Adaribaka was sentenced to three and a half years in prison mm. with the final year Do we know what happened to the 183,491 Maureen? There's a loss to the state currently of €120,000. So the difference in the balance there was money. So there's been some money has been frozen in bank accounts. Uh, there's some money they can't account for. They don't know where it's gone. There's the compensation that's been paid in and then there was money also found in um, in houses and, you know, in Mr. Adaribaka's house. So, yeah, so in, there's the, a loss to the state currently is what the, uh, was we heard in court is 100 and uh, 20,000 euros. So it's, um, I suppose, as the judge said, you know, the temptation arose there. You're having a hard time during COVID, may have lost your job, but she said you should never be, be tempted into mm. getting involved in this. And yeah. she said that the evidence suggests that both men were assisting a criminal organisation. Um, but what she did say is that neither of them showed the trappings of wealth. So what she felt was that they weren't necessarily benefiting from, you know, yeah. all these thousands 
thousands of euro that they had. They were they were a link in in, in a bigger chain. Uh, and, yes. And, yeah, and uh, good good police work yes. is what caught them. Maureen, I, I you're on your way, I believe, to Formoy. Uh, we have a follow up on a nasty incident there at the weekend. Now, I know you've not been in court yet, so you can't give us much, but there is someone due to appear. Yeah, so uh, he's due to appear there very shortly, actually, PJ. I'm just outside the courts and was head in. So, yeah, it was uh, that shocking um, assault incident that occurred on a Sunday here in Formoy. Sunday evening, um, a woman was taking her dog out for a walk when she was attacked uh, by a male. He was arrested. It happened around 6.45pm on Sunday evening, a time that you'd never think that you would be unsafe in your own community. Um, so she was uh, she was attacked. There was passers-by uh, happened upon the scene and in the man fled. Um, he's been arrested and he's been charged so yeah due, due to appear in court there shortly so I will update you on, on what happens in okay. court I'll let you get about that then Maureen Tuig Cork's 96 News reporter headed to Fomoy Court for that particular appearance and telling us about the case of those two men Lewis and Adderbegay uh, jailed for pub fraud but they were part of a chain a chain with a much bigger head in it um, and 120 grand lost to the state. 1850-715-996. On the Pana ban, the Green Party policies regarding Cork will destroy the city by diverting traffic down the quays, causing more traffic problems and pollution, all it's doing to keep shoppers out of the city. Reduce the car parks, give them free public transport. The country's a joke. Where I live, we've hardly no bus service, so if I go to town, I make sure I go from nine to half two to go out west before Patrick Street closes. Otherwise, it could take me an extra hour to go home on another route. If they extend closing time, I'll no longer be able to go to the city. This is a joke. Panaban again, my arse. Tell him go look at the, after the homeless. They're consciously ignoring it because it's the most idiotic idea ever. Those bollards will be a disaster. And it goes on and on and on. And I will read more of them. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Cork's Gold Imro Award winning sports show. Right, right here, right then. The score on Cork's 96FM. Join me, Trevor Welch, Sundays from 2 for the best music mix and all the latest sports as we concentrate on another busy weekend of Gaelic Games action and we focus on the Republic of Ireland's World Cup qualifiers against Portugal and Luxembourg. Right here, right then. Join Trevor Welch for The Score this Sunday from 2pm with Firebird Heating Solutions. If you're building, think of the Firebird Air Source Heat Pump with underfloor heating and heat recovery. See firebird.ie. On Cork's 96FM. Some stuff coming in on Panaban. I will get to it, but Oliver Moran of the Green Party wants to extend it to start at 11 o'clock rather than at 3 o'clock and he wants it properly enforced which it isn't at the moment bus drivers ringing us to say lads, lads, lads it takes a half an hour to get up Patrick Street in the middle of the so-called Panaban so it clearly isn't working but Oliver wants to extend it to 11 o'clock because he thinks that might make it work your thoughts are welcome. Tough new laws are to see the public entitled to be told about the whereabouts of sex offenders in the community. Also, electronic tagging is to be introduced for sex offenders and they will be banned from working with children and vulnerable people. In the past, the courts have banned 
sex offenders from working with children. But the new legislation will give a judge a specific legal power to issue such a ban. It's toughening up of the law by Justice Minister uh, Helen McEntee. Debbie Cole has been campaigning for some time for tougher sex crime law and she joins me. Debbie, uh, progress, I would say. Good morning. Morning, PJ. Yes, absolutely progress. It's a step in the, a huge step in the right direction. What are the most important things that she wants to introduce in your mind anyway? Uh, the electronic tagging. I've been asking for this since my own bill was passed in 2019 because it's so important when a convicted sex offender is released into the the population and 99% of them are under some kind of a post-release supervision order that involves multi-agency teams and that is not always managed and up until this law, this new bill that Minister McEntee gets passed is enacted. They have seven days by a station of where they're going to live. And if they decide, well, I don't like living here, I'm going to move somewhere else, they have another seven days to notify the Gardaí. Now, the Gardaí manpower to be ticking off boxes and checking in, well, Joe Smith didn't check in today, so let's go and see where he is. It, will, it could possibly take months before one of the team in the post-supervision team will know this person is not where they're supposed to be. Yeah. And, I mean, we know with the way the world is now, you can be anywhere in seven days. Yeah. So at least with the GPS ankle monitors, it's a deterrent for the the offender that they know that they're being monitored so they're highly unlikely to reoffend while wearing that monitor and it's also added security for mm. survivors like myself and the general public to know that these offenders are being monitored in the communities. And Debbie, how long would you like to see somebody wearing that monitor? Uh, for the full length of their post-supervision order, like we say, in most cases when a judge is given sentencing, he will take a certain amount off it and say that he's, get, we say, just say, 18 months suspended of five-year sentence. So in my view, for those 18 months at least, and then the team and the guardie can reassess it depending on the, the offender's behaviour during those 18 months whether they go to court and ask for an extension on that. I don't know what way it could work, but it needs to be for the full length of the the term of the suspended sentence that the judge gives. Something that many uh, abuse victims uh, have said to me over the years bothers them the most is that their abuser gets released. They know nothing about it and that they actually are not entitled to know anything about it. Will this bill change that? No. No, it can be a case where you can apply to the prison liaison office and ask for to be notified on the person's release. And the the prison liaison service are absolutely fantastic and they will notify you. But they will also tell you, we say, we just say the person is due to go to for a hospital visit. We just say the Midlands hospital here in Mullingar that the the 
and the victim lives in around that area, that the prison liaison can notify them that that person is going to be at the hospital at that day. But they also tell them in the email that that information is for them only, not for to go and seek retribution or have vigilantes at the hospital. It's just so that they feel safer. Do, Do you think, because in certain parts of America, we are all entitled to know if there's a convicted sex offender in our neighborhood. Do you think we should be? Um, you see, this is where you get into dangerous territory. Yes, we should know, but while we have, ugh, it it can lead to major vigilantism and people being wrongly identified. Yes, and innocent people being seriously injured or killed, and until we can come up with a way that that doesn't happen, well, then no. Yeah. 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 What's lacking here? And uh, I think sentencing has always been a big problem for you and for many others. Absolutely. Like, it's just ridiculous. If if you're a sex offender and you're going up on trial, it's the look of the draw, what judge you're going to get. And there's a couple of judges that give extremely lenient sentences. I'll give you an example. Let's not name any judges now. Oh, God, no, no. No, I won't. I won't mention the name, but a Dublin judge had been passing down sentence there on Tuesday, and this person had pled guilty to their crimes. And the judge said, "It was reprehensible what you did. You engaged in a full sexual relationship with this underage girl for almost a year." And when I read that, I was just. My my brain nearly exploded. I was like, what he did for almost a year was repeatedly rape that child. It was not a sexual relationship. Yes. <clears throat> and until we have judges that are reined in and not allowed to make these kind of comments and that there is some kind of consistency when it comes to sentencing, that it's not just a look of the draw. And a big problem also that I have is that I understand that every person has the right to defend themselves and that's perfect. But once the offender is proven guilty or pleads guilty, whichever is the situation, and the judge is, you know, taking some time to decide what kind of a sentence he feels is appropriate. And then the defendant's legal team can bring forth what they call so-called mitigating circumstances. Now, in my view, there's no excuse on this planet that excuses somebody from committing these horrific crimes. But it's part of the legal system. They're Mm. allowed to do it. Constitutionally, it's a person's entitlement, you see. That's the thing. Yeah. And the, the judge must take that into consideration when he's making his decision. But what the judges are not taking into consideration is the lifelong effect that that horrific crime has on mm. the victim. It's a time for mandatory, that, absolute mandatories, sentencing-wise. I think it should be. I really do think it should be. Or that there should be, you know, we say in in the medical boards, if there's certain cases where they have a, a committee review on, with a doctor on a treatment and the you know possibly a fatal outcome and make yeah. sure that the doctor was not fitness to practice all that stuff yeah yeah 
we should have something like that where there's an, a committee that the judges have to answer to, that they have to say, well, these are the reasons why I felt this yeah. um, this very lenient uh, sentence was okay. Yeah, the only place that can happen is at, at the appeal court and even then the judge doesn't have to under, uh, explain his or her deci- decisions. One last thing. Um, Debbie, and I think a lot of people would agree with you 100% here, but people who won't will be, if you like, the civil libertarians who who, who hate this kind of stuff. What would you say to them? Where were they when I was being raped? Where were they defending me when I was 19 and being raped by a serial rapist monster? Where were they defending my civil, civil liberties not to have that happen to me? I think that answers my question. Debbie, thank you very much. Wish you well. Thank you for being with us on the Opinion Line. That is Debbie Cole. Do you know how many people are presently on? Well, we we call it a sex offenders register. In this country, we don't actually have... It's not as such an offenders register. But we have 1,700 people currently subject to um, Part 2 of the Sex Offenders Act reporting requirements. There's 319 offenders being supervised by the probation centre, or probation service, 192 on post-release supervision, others notifying at Garda Station, Garda Stations. There's currently over 400 people in custody convicted of a sex offence, and they'll be subject to reporting restrictions on their release. So as Debbie said, look, change, but not everything. Toughening it up a bit, toughening it up a bit, though. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Still stuff coming in on the Pana band, but I do want to remind you to join Trevor Welsh for Premier League live Saturdays online at ninety six pm. ie or on the app powered by Talk Sport. Big matches, pre match analysis, live commentary, exclusive interviews, and post match breakdowns with Trevor and the team for the Premier League Live Online. With now, join in the experience with a now sports or sports extra membership and listen Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app. Or indeed, you can go to 96FM.ie. My daughter waited 40 minutes some days on the Mardike for a number eight bus. Any idea why this happens to a bus that's meant to be every 10 minutes? That's possibly because it can spend half an hour coming down Patrick Street if you're to listen to the bus drivers more Panaban more Panaban stuff I am an electrician it's impossible to get parking in Patrick Street I'm on the road every day and this green party with their ideas should have no clue I'd ask them to come out for a day's work and see how hard it is for parking never mind heavy traffic I've turned down so much work in the city over this I'm a lorry driver you can't get a loading bay unless you're there before 8 in the morning after that you just won't You've builders' vans parked there all day, no tickets. They'd, they'd fit in the car parks, and this car is parked in the loading bay. Wow, I work on Patrick Street, cars constantly going up and down between three and a half, six. Gardy, one day stopping the cars and finding them. Another day I saw a car pulled over, uh, letting all the cars behind going ahead without saying anything to them. No proper signage for vehicles. We need proper visual signage. And it goes on and on. And on. The president of UCC has run himself into a bit of hot water with comments he made at the Cork Chambers business breakfast. Professor John O'Halloran said that the current level of university fees needs to be looked at, needs to be the subject of what he called an honest conversation. He pointed out that the current €3,000 annual student contribution, the fee, 
is lower than some of the fees charged by private secondary schools. And he said during his speech or during his, his contribution at this business breakfast, and he was speaking at the back end of loads of conferrings, he said, one of the messages I get, and this won't be a popular one, is why is education so cheap? Why is it only three grand a year? It's a, tip, a difficult subject, he says, but some people will pay more than that for second level schools uh, and when they come to university, they're paying less. It's got people thinking. Atacan, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Not impressed? No, absolutely not. These, pre- these comments were an insult to the thousands of students who are struggling to pay the extortionate fees itself. And I don't know what people he's talking about that said to him that education is cheap. They must be his own family considering the wealthy salary that he's on. But other than that, um, all students can't afford the tuition fees. You saw last month that UCC Students Union had to open a food bank for students to queue up to get food. But after 50 minutes, they ran out of food. Yeah. And hundreds of students were queuing up. So is he saying to me and other students that these tuition fees are too cheap and that they need to be ex- um, increased. These students can't afford to feed themselves. They're coping with rising electricity costs, rising inflation, etc. So if he's talking about the fact that these tuition fees are too cheap, I, I think he has a short memory of students mm. struggling to uh, feed themselves after going to the food bank, which ran out of food last month in UCC Students Union. It would have to be accepted, Atacan, though, that compared to other countries, like compared to the UK, for example, our, our fees are low. Well, would, where's compared the, to America, would, no, our fees are low, very low. Would, with all due respect now to the UK, uh, the UK are no longer in the EU and we actually have the highest tuition fees in the EU. Many countries in the EU do not actually charge tuition fees. Yeah. We're the highest country with the highest amount of tuition fees in the EU. All right, fair enough. He's directing his anger at the students. He shouldn't be. But he does identify a problem. I want to be fair, I don't think he's doing that, Atacan. I don't think he's doing but, that. He's just but, commenting on it, you know. He's, he's, not, but, he's not directing but, anything. He also did say, and it's worth pointing out, he said... There's a mismatch and we need to have an honest conversation. He said we need to support those who don't have the means. But the point he makes is, like, it can be cheaper to go to college than it is to go to some private secondary schools. But do you think now the majority of students can afford to go to private schools? There's a lot of students. I'm one of these students. I went to a desk school. I could not afford to go to a private school. And if he's talking about students that can go to private schools that would have to pay dear or fees... That's not possible for the majority of students. And if he's saying that most students are being supported, if he's talking about the Susie Grant, the Susie Grant only does the bare minimum for supporting students. Yeah. The majority of students are struggling with the rising electricity costs. And I know the government increased the Susie Grant threshold by a thousand euro in the budget this year, and they increased the uh, maintenance by two hundred euro. But even at that, that's about twenty euro per month. Do you think 20 euro per month goes far enough to tackle the, the costs for students? They can't find student accommodation. They're deferring their semester because they can't find student accommodation and they can't even afford to get student accommodation that's available. Mm. But lastly, um, he, while he, he says that we're, bottom at, we're the bottom of the league for uh, funding by the government for third-level institutions, but why didn't he direct this anger at the Minister for Higher Education, Simon Harris, when he had a meeting with him on Monday? He could have said to him, 
um, we're struggling for funding. We need more funding from government and we need universities to be funded by the government, not for students to be the cash cows for the government because the government is not willing to put money into third-level institutions. Yeah, yeah. You, you, of course, you, you yourself, you're in, it's the third or fourth you're in now studying government and politics. Not right that again. Yeah, that's correct, PJ. I'm in fourth year studying BSc government and politics. Yeah. So this is this is policy stuff like this is, is your bread and butter day day to day. I mean, among your own colleagues, your own fellow students, how how will they receive this? Do you think? Oh, I've I've seen reaction from them already, and they're not happy about it. Like I myself, I'm actually a lucky person because I'm able to get the Susie grant, and I'm able to just about qualify for it. And if I wasn't able to qualify for it, my parents would have to take out a loan in the credit union and yeah. I myself would even have to take out a loan in the credit union. And by if the way, are you on campus full-time now? Um, par- um, Mostly full-time, but sometimes I have classes that are online, but yeah. I am mostly full-time. Okay, all right. Listen, and other people were complaining as well about having to pay the full three grand and not being on campus full-time. Atticon, thank you very much. We did ask uh, UCC for a comment on this this morning. They've said that they won't be commenting any further on the comments made by President John O'Halloran at the Cork Chambers Business Breakfast. Your thoughts, welcome. 1850 715996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. A fundraising event will take place at the Blackbird Bar Bally Cotton on Friday the 12th of November at 7.30pm. An evening of food and fun. Tickets are available at the Blackbird Bar and the event will be raising money for the Irish Cancer Society. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Paul was on to say UK tuition fees are more expensive, but they have a lot more help for students who need it. Also, the cost of living in the North and in the UK is a lot lower. Student accommodation in the north is £25 a week in a private shared house. Food shopping and so on is also in 30 and 40% cheaper in the north. Thank you, says Paul. Hi, PJ. Is it true that tutors or teachers' children don't pay college fees? This is Joan. We, we don't know, Joan. That's often been bandied about, that lecturers and tutors and all that, that their kids don't pay fees. I don't know. We've sent them an email to check that out. We've we've asked uh, the PR office at the college for that. We've asked them that question. Ask him, I presume you mean Atacan, where the students get the money for all their partying and causing all that havoc on college all. It comes up every time you mention student fees. It comes up that time too. 1850 uh, mortgage rates in this talk about things being expensive mortgage rates in this country have dropped to their lowest level in four years which sounds good when you hear it said but they're still more than double the average mortgage rate 
across the Eurozone. That's according to figures from the Central Bank. The average home loan in this country is on a rate now of 2.72%. The average across the Eurozone is one27 The only place in the Eurozone with more expensive new mortgages than us is Greece. Also, the number of people switching their mortgage now from one provider to another is the highest on record. Let me bring in Joey Sheehan, uh, the mortgage coach regular on the show. Good morning again, Joey. Good to speak with you. Uh, down, Down to the lowest level in four years, but still double the average across Europe, across the Eurozone. Why? Well, PJ, the rates are still too high. Are yeah. going the right direction? Hold on, we'll see if we can get a better line for uh, fee because that's not going to hold up for me. Uh, just for a couple of minutes, we we'll go through some more of those stats. Uh, Greece is the only one in the eurozone with more expensive new mortgages than us. An average new borrower is paying 180 euro a month more here than the typical cost. Elsewhere, that's about two point two grand a year. It's it's very long. It's it's very much more expensive. How many more things are more expensive in this country than they are anywhere else in the eurozone? Look at the price of petrol at the moment and mortgages. We're celebrating the fact that they're at the lowest level in four years, but they're still at the far higher than the EU average. Thanks, Joy. Back hopefully on a slightly better line now. Why why do you think that is again? When the rates are too high, historically there was less competition here um, in the market. Some of the the pillar banks here that we we know well, household names, would say that you know they had to incur huge legal expenses after the last crash, repossessing properties and things like that. Also, there's a higher capital requirement for banks to set aside more funds in Ireland than there are in some of their European counterparts. And um, so th- there's a cost in all of this to the banks. However, I still believe that the rates should be lower than what they are. But mm. the, the good news, uh, PJ, is that they are going the right direction. Uh, we saw the introduction of uh, Avent Money coming into the, the market last year. Yeah. There are one or two other lenders looking seriously at coming into the market, you know, hopefully within the next year or so. We see even today now um, Haven Mortgages reduced their 7- and 10-year rates uh, down to about 265 and 2.85%, yeah. uh, which is about half percent from where they were. So the competition that has come in with the likes of Avent, you have other lenders that are distributing through brokers mostly, ICS, uh, Finance Ireland, they have put pressure on, on the domestic banks here uh, and even Bank of Ireland reacted with, with a lower rate uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So so the rates are coming down. What I would say to borrowers is that you could be on a rate of 3 or 4% or even higher with your existing bank. A lot of people, there's an inertia not to review it and not to switch you should review your mortgage every two, three years at a minimum, no matter what bank you're with, no matter what rate you're on, no matter how much you owe, because there are great deals out there and we're switching people all the time. Like, for example, um, you know, a 300,000 mortgage with 30 years remaining, mm. if you could reduce the rate from 2.95 down to 1.95, which is a 1% reduction, it doesn't sound like a lot, uh, PJ, but a 1% reduction in your mortgage could save you 56 grand over the life of the mortgage. Like Crikey. it's huge. That's a lot you of money. Earn double that, uh, 112,000 in your wages gross to, to net 56, you know. So people people need to grasp this and get out there. Get onto us at mymortgage.ie. Get onto, yeah. 
you know, see, see, you know, we have 10, 10 lending institutions we, we have access to. And, uh, you know, what, what rate am I on? What can I get to? Yeah. How much is this going to save? Yeah. See, here's the thing. I, I guess it's a bit like people moving their electricity bill or moving their gas bill. They can, and they know they can, but they don't. And getting a mortgage, and it's thankfully it's a number of years now since I had to get one, and I don't ever want to have to get one again because such was the level of paperwork and toing and froing. And I myself, Joey, were I in a position where I wanted to switch, what would frighten the pejiminis out of me is all that paperwork. And all those lawyers and health reports, everything I had to do when I was getting this mortgage, would I have to do it again to switch? You would. Now, some banks have introduced reduced requirements for for documentation. But a lot of people, no PJ, are are quite organised. And, you know, you're looking at a photo ID, an employment certificate from your employer, your last three payslips, which most people have on their email, Hmm. your last year's, um, the new P60, which is called the Employment Detail Summary, and basically six months bank statements, which most people have that online as well. Yeah. So, so yes, there's, there's, there's a nice little bit of stuff to get together, but a lot of people could pull it together in an hour, depending on yeah. who IT savvy you are. And at the end of the day, PJ, if it's going to save you 56 grand, you know, you'd be mad not to do it. You're not wrong. You know? No, you're not wrong. And I, I didn't realise, I mean, it is that quick now uh, to, to, do, to do. So how many people do it? How frequently is do people even it's think de- about it's it? It's definitely growing. It's definitely growing. We have more and more people reviewing, um, and I suppose the younger generation probably don't have the same loyalty to the pillar banks that you know mine or your generation might yeah. have. So you know, there, there was a thing I suppose when we were growing up that you, you had a bank for life almost. Now I think if somebody's getting a credit card, they'll review the market to see who's got the best offer. You, you know, you've got Revolut and these companies for these debit cards. You, you know, if you're getting a mortgage, you go to a broker, you get the best mortgage, who's given the best rate at the terms that suit you. So um, absolutely, you know, it's money in your pocket, you know, rather than the bank. So review your mortgage, I would say, at a minimum every two or three years. And, you know, we, you know. And how does it work under the bonnet, as it were? So, so if I'm currently holding a mortgage with Bank A and I go to you and I say, Joey, I, I need to move uh, for a better rate and you find me a better rate. What happens? Does does Bank B pay off Bank A, or what happens under the bonnet? Yeah. So let's say if if, if you owe two hundred grand to, to Bank A, and you come to me and I said, "Well, I can get you a better rate. We're going to go to Bank B. So the interest rate is going to be lower. You're going to save X amount. That's the first step. I wouldn't be recommending it unless there was a saving. Most a lot of banks offer an incentive to cover the cost. Your main cost of switching would be legal fees, which could be up to a thousand or two thousand, depending on on, on the, the amount. Most banks will, will offer something to cover that so that you won't be out of pocket. So it means that, you know, you could get, might get two grand from the new bank, uh, which will cover all expenses, and you might even be up a little bit, uh, so there's no negative cash flow. And so when the new bank issues, <coughs> issues the new mortgage of, say, 200 grand, that money is issued to your solicitor. Your solicitor is given an undertaking to pay off the first bank. They pay off the bank for you. And that's effectively what the solicitor does. They register a charge in, in, uh, in favour of the bank with the land registry, so that if the bank ever had to enforce, repossess the property, the debt would be attached to your your home. But look, that that's getting a bit complex. Yeah, now. but it's it's, it's uh, the under, under the balance stuff. So basically, the the loan is moved around between people who who do this all the time. Caller wants to know, Joey, does it affect your credit rating? If you switch, 
if you switch or if you try to switch and you're declined and are there charges in switching like that's it, this person is saying look I'd be a bit terrified I, I have a better the devil you know attitude because of all the carry on of the banks with trackers and such which would make me nervous um, well in terms of the costs as I've outlined the legal, legal fees and maybe um, evaluation might be required but you should hopefully get some money from the new bank that would cover all of that uh, it does not affect your credit rating if you switch lender. Um, if you're declined a loan um, in the new central credit register, a new lender could see that. But the chances are, unless you've had missed payments or something, you, you have an existing mortgage. If that's performing, the new mortgage should be approved as a matter of formality, really, one would think. Um, in terms of the knowing that the devil you know and the devil you don't, I suppose, you know... Um, <clears throat> The banks have have you know been fined many of them for taking people off uh, tracker loans and things like that. Some of the banks that we work with are, are Irish banks. Some of the banks we work with are foreign banks. Mm. Sometimes people are slow to to go with a foreign bank uh, that they don't know the name. However, maybe their track record has been better than some of the Irish banks yeah. in some cases. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't see the downside if you're putting money on deposit with the bank. You have a risk. Will the money still be there? But if you are borrowing from the bank. The risk is the bank's risk with you when yeah. you repay it. Two, two, two brief ones to finish. You mentioned tracker mortgages. I remember when I got one, uh, the person who advised me said, hold on to that and make them prize it from your cold, dead hands. Is that still the case? Absolutely. So the, the margin on tracker rates is generally around 1% or sometimes a little bit less. So that that's the cheapest money you're ever going to get. So th- those people on tracker rates, you mentioned the European average rate was around 1.27%. Anybody in Ireland who's got a tracker, it's, it's most likely below that. So we're lower than Europe for the people who are on trackers. Yeah, call it with your cold, dead hands. I'm waiting for a new proposal as our circumstances have changed. This should have happened in August, but the bank are not replying to my emails. Can they wait for the new mortgage of the mortgage, owner of the mortgage to make a proposal and then leave us in limbo? It's a kind of confusing question came in on WhatsApp. People stuck in a limbo situation. I'm taking this as somebody with a historic mortgage that uh, the, the lender is yes, from yes, the bank so. to a fund or something. Think so. Um, yeah, so I'd say, you know, write, write to your bank, um, ask for information. You know, they'd, they'd be, if something's happening, they'd be obliged to, to inform you when, when that happens. Um, you know, so just maybe maybe call the bank again or write a letter in. Uh, sometimes the banks would respond better if it's in writing. Um, and just ask them, you know, raise your concerns and ask them if they could give you an update. And I'm not 100% sure of the meaning of this one. Maybe you'll pick it up. It's on text. What will happen with our move from KBC to Bank of Ireland? Can they completely change our mortgage that we're paying to a higher rate now? So if you're in a fixed rate currently, yeah. so let's say you've got a three-year fixed rate and you've got two years left and you're paying 2.5%, if that moves to Bank of Ireland, um, then your rate remains the same. At the end of that fixed rate, the bank will offer you a variable rate or other fixed rates there's no certainty about that, what that would be at the time now whether your, rate, your mortgage is with KVC or Bank of Ireland you have arguably a similar risk as to what the rate would be what we are seeing TJ is that a huge amount of people who are you know, coming up to fixed rates with KVC and Ulster Bank who are both exiting the market we're seeing people want the certainty and we're seeing a lot of people coming into us switching their mortgage uh, to you know, a longer term fixed rate with you know, other providers that, that we have partnerships with yeah. 
Um, so they, they want certainty you know it's a long term okay. investment it's your home and they want certainty ok ok mortgagecoach.ie is Joey Sheehan's website thank you for that you could talk about it all morning the questions that would come in appreciate it don't be afraid to move and talk to someone like Joey at the mortgage mortgage coach 1850 is the doctor there Fiona uh, for me to jump to her while I take the break. Um, we're we're going to take a look at the COVID cases. Uh, there, Cork is one of the counties on high alert uh, just now. One of about a half a dozen counties on high alert as being well over the national average. And it is a very worrying time. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM. We're worried again about daily case numbers. They're very high. But we're more worried about hospitals and ICU because despite the vaccination wall, the numbers are creeping up. And Cork is now one of the counties on highest alert for our climbing case numbers. Dr. Noel O'Connor is the lead advisor on COVID-19 to the Irish Council of General Practitioners. Uh, Noel, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. We're worried again. God, how, how often are we going to come back to this point? Um, well, yeah, it's difficult, it's difficult to know. Uh, but we're worried, but we know what to do, PJ. Okay, so uh, we know so much more about um, this virus than we did uh, this time um, last year. And we know how and what we need to do to actually change the current course, um, to flatten the curve, go back to that phrase that, that, that we had at the very start. So there are three main things that I think listeners need to hear. And the first thing is that everybody... Uh, needs to stay at home if they have symptoms of infection. Okay, mm-hmm. so stay from stay at home from work. Keep keep kids home from school um, or crash. And it's not just about COVID anymore because one of the things that is putting pressure on on um, the health service at the moment and particularly putting a lot of pressure on general practice is where all the normal other winter viruses. So we're seeing loads of people with coughs or throats, croup, earaches. And the vast majority of, of people that we're seeing in general practice, thankfully, they don't actually have COVID, yeah. but they have all the other winter respiratory viruses. And so and that's what's taking up a lot of our time. The other thing is our pediatric hospital, pediatric wards are now full. And this time last year, they were virtually empty because we didn't have the kids with the bronchiolitis. Uh, We didn't have the bad asthmatics. Um, And similarly, in the adult wards, as well as COVID, we're starting to see our people with chronic lung disease getting the normal winter viruses. So it's it's a kind of a broader message than COVID. It's about staying at home if you have any symptoms of infections to stop the spread of whatever infection it is. Because what we do notice is that people are taking antigen tests if they have symptoms. Yes. And they're saying, oh, it's not COVID. I'm okay to go to that dinner party or to go to work or go to school. But you're not okay. The message is you still have an infection, be that COVID or not. And as we know, the antigen test isn't the gold standard for that. It's a PCR test if you have symptoms. Mm -hmm. So that's the first key message is that if we could all just stay at home, um, if we have symptoms of infection, no matter how mild they are, 
take 48 hours out, wait and see what develops. Um, um, you can book yourself a PCR test. You can ring your GP for advice or if you need to be seen face to face in person, that can also happen. I suppose what bothers yeah. people, Nuala, is that that's not so easy if you have a boss who won't pay you if you're out and if you're trying to mind children home from school. It's not that easy. Oh, of course it's not easy. I mean, I, I completely understand that it's not easy, but we need everybody to get on board with this. We need industry to get on board with this. We need, you know, this is, we're back, you know, we, we're, we're still in that in that situation where we need Team Ireland to support this. Um, the vaccine is wonderful and the vaccine is giving us a great wall of protection for the vast majority of us against severe disease hospitalisation and death. Okay. So even despite the very high case numbers at the moment, and yes, we are the hospitals, the, it, there's growing numbers in the hospital, the ICU, it's a bit up this week. It was kind of stable for about three weeks. But despite the high numbers, it's not translating into as much severe disease in hospital. No. And that's because we have the vaccine yeah. protecting us. And we're now seeing with the boosters, um, the the level of the number of cases in those 80 plus ha- has fallen. And hopefully as we go down to the boosters, that will do more. But the problem is, is that this virus, it's, we're, we're right in to remember what happened going up to Christmas last year and this virus loves when we get together indoors crowded poorly ventilated indoor spaces it just loves that because that gives it its chance to spread and um, and so what we what we need to do is to try to you know risk assess it's back to the risk assess you know if everybody could dial things back a little and just reduce their social context maybe you know meet less people maybe meet people less often over the next coming weeks. Try to prioritise. What are the most important things to do here? Um, uh, because if we we need to try to get the numbers um, uh, back down uh, to relieve the pressure of the healthcare services um, um, and keep society open because society is now the most open it has been since the start of this, mm-hmm. which is wonderful and it's fantastic and we need to keep it there. So, Dr. Houlihan there was saying yesterday, the chief medical officer, that he doesn't envisage a return to those kind of restrictions at this point in time. That's the bit that scares people at this point in time. What's your own view, Nula? Or, or can you, do you have a view on it? I think that we can, we can stay with everything open, provided we do a few little key things. Stay at home. If you've got symptoms of infection, if you haven't already been vaccinated against COVID-19, please do avail of that vaccination. And if you have concerns or fears about it, please do read the information on a trusted source such as the HSC website or go and talk to a healthcare professional um, about what your concerns are. Because we do know that the that the majority of people who end up very severe in intensive care, including pregnant women, are not fully vaccinated. The other thing is, if you are eligible for the flu vaccine, and we know that the flu vaccine um, is now, there's a nasal spray vaccine free for everyone aged 2 to 17. So thankfully, there's very little actual influenza in Ireland yet. So we have an opportunity, anyone who hasn't got their children vaccinated, please to go forward either to your GP or to your pharmacy to do that. Same with pneumonia vaccine. Um, um, And then the third thing is, just stop and think, OK, I've been invited to that. 
party. I've been, you know, there's, there's this event on. Okay, do I think it's safe? Do I really need to go? Just try to, if everybody could, I mean, I know Tony Hulian has said 50%, you know, if you, whatever you'd planned over the next weeks, if we could all reduce it by about 50%, um, along with all the normal, the other message, stay at home, vaccination, wear your mask, wash your hands, everybody knows all that kind of stuff already, then we can actually change the course of this disease. So we can all have a lovely Christmas. Um, we can reduce the pressure right across our healthcare service. And hopefully we can, we can peak and start the to come down out of mm. this fourth wave of infection. Yeah, the modelling is telling us that we're supposed, well, the existing modelling, because I know they're going to work on some more now and take other things into account, but the modelling is telling us that we should be close to a peak in the next week or two. Would you agree? I would certainly hope we would, but that depends on each and every person in Ireland coming on board once again, and I know it's hard and we're all tired of COVID. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm tired of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's tired of the effects of COVID on our lives, but it is there and it's very much there. And we just need to get that, that, that um, you know, that Team Ireland approach again uh, to try to uh, get this back on course. And then hopefully, yes, I think it's, it's within our grasp to peak and come down. Okay. But that means all of us have to take a certain responsibility in helping that to happen. Okay. All right. I'll leave it there because I know you're busy. Dr. Nuala O'Connor, who's Cork GP, and she's the lead advisor on COVID-19 to the Irish College of General Practitioners. The advice is simple, my friends. I'm, I've got an event tonight. I'm going to an event tonight. I'm working at an event tonight. And delighted to say it's almost sold out. And that's Nella's concert in Kinsale in Fishy Fishy. I think a few tickets left at the restaurant. But I'm the MC for that tonight. But I'm not going out then the weekend. I've decided I'm not going out. I'm just going to stay at home and be careful. And if you don't have to go out this weekend, maybe not go out this weekend. 1850 Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside.
Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Panto returns to Cork Opera House this Christmas with a brand new show titled Nanny Nelly's Adventures in Pantoland. The announcement marks the much-anticipated live return of the Opera House Panto, running at the venue from December 10th until January 9th. Access all areas. John Spillane and Junior Brother form a brilliant double bill coming up at Cork Opera House this weekend as they are joined on stage by the Opera House Concert Orchestra on Saturday night for one of the highlights of this weekend's Right Here, Right Now Festival. More details at corkoperahouse.ie Access All Areas Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or a live stream coming up by emailing us here on aaa at 96fm.ie Access All Areas Your guide to nightlife on the side On Cork's 96FM During uh, November uh, we mark it by calling it Movember which is a deliberate focus on men's health for the month of uh, November. We are, we, we men are notoriously bad at looking after ourselves. Um, and once we admit that, we kind of start looking after ourselves. But here at Cork 96 of we're looking at some of the issues affecting men. And uh, at this hour of the show, I'm going to talk to uh, Neil O'Sullivan. He's a father of two from Cork. And Neil has recovered from testicular cancer. I believe we spoke before, Neil, looking over your, your story again this morning. You were watching a rugby match and you felt a terrible pain and that and thus began your cancer journey and you had no idea uh, that, that you had it. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? You're dead right, yeah. This About this week, six years ago, uh, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. And it was a Saturday morning. Started off with severe back pain on my left-hand side and then progressed uh, out my front side, still on the left, and uh, it was chronic, chronic pain. Yeah, you'd so never experienced anything like it before. But you thought you'd strained your back doing something, hadn't you? I did. I was doing work at, uh, on the house uh, that all for a couple of weeks before that, and I just uh, just put it down to that, just thought it was regular back pain, but it was it was this pain was, was way more severe. Yeah. And it wasn't until that night that I got in, into COH that uh, things kind of progressed rapidly then from there. Yeah, and it was a long so and hard was, journey, but you came through it. It was. It was a huge. It was a big journey. Yeah, for twelve months it lasted. Uh, to, uh, nearly to the week that I was back at work, twelve months afterwards. And uh, but there was just huge support there. Um, you don't come through something like that unless you're very positive and that you've you've good support around you. And uh, my family and uh, and work were yeah. brilliant at the time. And uh, our house as well were brilliant as well. Yeah. yeah. The moment that you're told, uh, Neil, you have cancer. What's that? What's that moment like? I think we all dread it. You've been there. What's it like? Uh, it's it, the, the, the nearest thing I can describe is this type been hit by a train. Uh, there's nothing else that you can imagine that we were preparing for Christmas uh, in, at that time, November, and talking about getting kids' bikes and things like this. And then I got a phone call from after being left out initially from CUH. I was brought back in to see a consultant and showed me scans. And uh, he said, this is you. He says, you, you've an, a, a node in your left testicle and you've another node in your left kidney. And he says, we're going to start off by removing the left testicle uh, in December. So they are. So it's massive. You're just numb. You're trying to cope with it and process it. But uh, you just have to stay positive and lean on people around you as well and uh, get support from them, Mm. you know. I mentioned in the introduction there, uh, Neil, and I'd be among the offenders myself, we men are the worst in the world at looking after ourselves. We take no notice of that little strain. We think, ah, I must have pulled me back doing the garden or something like that. 
Yeah, it's terrible. And I was the worst, the worst, same as you, PJ. It's, it's, you just ignore it. You say, oh, geez, that's, that's, we just carry on. We keep going. But you can't. You need to get checked regularly, especially with the bloods. Uh, it's vital that you go for a checkup once a month or once a year, sorry, and uh, mm. and look after yourself. Don't ignore the pain like I did. did mine happened for a couple of weeks before that and I was just put it down to work. But it was more than that. Like yeah. I, I left it go and it got so, va- so bad that I couldn't stand up or I couldn't sit down like I was in a heap on the floor. Yeah. And uh, we shouldn't shouldn't be ignoring the pain. We should uh, go and get checked. It's yeah. vital. Like, like when you think back rationally, like how early had you a warning sign that you kind of said, "Ah, that'll be grand." Probably three or four weeks before the initial severe pain. Uh, this and I just ignored it. Um, but then the, the, on the Saturday morning, uh, the, it just I was I wasn't able to function. That's, yeah. But I should have I should have heeded the early warning signs, but I didn't. I just left it go and said said that uh, it was nothing, you know. But you can't you you can't leave it go. You must you'll have to get checked out. Yeah, and that's the advice you know? throughout November uh, that groups like the Irish Cancer Society and others say to us men, look for goodness' sake, look after yourself. Yeah, yeah, look after yourself, and there's good people around there to take care of you as well. Yeah. You know. We have this. We have this thing about us, Asha. We'll be all right. We'll be fine. Tis only a bit of a muscle strain or something. And for the most part, you might be right, but you can't take the chance that you wouldn't either. No, no. But it's 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 not a it's not a big thing. Just get checked out if you're worried about something, or um, if you think there's something there. It's, do you know to take take the benefit of it out and go and go see go go see the doctor and get checked out. Yeah, and That's another another thing. Your your doctor will never laugh at you if you're wrong. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And he'll give you the support and the care that you need. And that's what I got. That's how I was able to get through it. Like, How are you um, now? Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, seven and a half marathons done working with City Cork City Council. It's brilliant, very positive. Um, mental health is huge as well. Meditation was very good for me at the time going through treatments and that. There's chemotherapy and that. And uh, it's brilliant. I'm one of the lucky ones. So I am. And just count my blessings every day for the people that look after me. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's brilliant. Yeah, it's tough All for good. a family too, you know. It is. It is. Yeah, uh, it's tough for family. To, but uh, I'd go family around with support and that. And the kids were brilliant as well at the time. It's strange going to the hospital to see your dad in chemo when you're eight years of age. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, that must be that must be terrible. It be is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But you get through it. You get through it, PJ. But uh, with with the help and the support around you from the from the people around you. And it's so important, you mentioned ARC, and they're of course one of our charity partners on our Radiothon every May. Support like that is, it's it's worth diamonds. It's huge. It's And it's not just for the person that's going through the treatment, right. it's for your family members as well. That they can go in and they can sit down and um, avail, of the, avail of the treatments in our house, and they were a massive support to, to me and my family who are going through it. Okay, all right. I wish you continued uh, good health. Uh, uh, Neil O'Sullivan, who has recovered from testicular cancer, joins us today to mark Movember and the message to men, mind your health. You only get one of these bodies, you know. (laughs) You don't get to change it. You only get one. So look after it, is the message to men this month. And I'm the first one to admit, I do look after my back, because my back is a bit tricky sometimes and I get that looked after quite frequently whenever I need it but other things when was the last time I had a good medical with the doctor 
Oh, I couldn't tell you. That's the truth. Reminded to you, the 10K toy giveaway is back this year. Get ready for fun and play. We're giving away loads of 500 euro toy shopping sprees for free. All starts Monday. Listen to Casey and Ross in the morning and all day long from Monday the 15th for your chance to text or WhatsApp in to win. It's the Cork's 96FM's 10K toy giveaway with Douglas Village Shopping Centre. 50 years at the heart of the village and looking only wonderful at the moment as they continue to decorate for Christmas. Listen and win from next Monday the 10K toy giveaway only on Cork's 96FM. 1857-15996. Is there something we could all do with heading into the winter? Might be a a cuddle buddy. A what, Paige? <laughs> what? A cuddle? I'm a happily married man. A cuddle? A cuddle? Etna Buckley, what are you at? Good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? I'm all right. You think a cuddle buddy? We need no, to the winter. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't exactly. Uh, I'd maybe use uh, those words. But um, definitely I have found that people are more anxious in the last couple of weeks. You know, the, the evenings were going to be growing short and I was getting more calls <clears throat> where people were saying to me that um, we got through the summer fine, every, you know, going for long walks and everything that's dark until 10 o'clock at night and now suddenly they're closing the door at 5 or 6 in the evening and they're at home alone for the rest of the evening and they're saying, wouldn't it be lovely to have some, you know, just to sit down in front of the fire watch TV or go to the cinema or go for a bite to eat, just the simple things. Yeah. This is, of course, your, your work is with a company called Two Hearts Meat, and I'll tell you more about that, or you can tell me more more that in a little while. Because I, I have to say, I am a person who hates the closing in of the evenings. I'm always saying to my listeners here, the, the dark mornings and the dark evenings, I, I hate them, absolutely hate them. And I don't think I'm alone. No, there's an awful lot of people like that that go out to work in the morning when it's dark, and when they come home in the evening, it's dark. They haven't seen any daylight unless they were lucky enough to grab a few minutes during their lunch break there's a lot of people in, in those situations and if you're living on your own, if you're, whether it's single, separated, divorced or widowed, if you're coming into an empty house in the evening on your own, um, you just feel it more um, in the winter time because the, the short evenings, uh, you know, it's like they, they really bring it home to you that you're you're on your own and want to be lovely just to have someone to share about how, how your day went or that yeah. if in the summer you could maybe go out at seven o'clock after you've had your dinner and meet up with a friend and go for a walk or do whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, or just sit out the back garden with a friend and chat exactly. away the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it, uh, the the dark evening does affect a lot of people. That's true, all right. Is, is it harder than ever now, Etna, particularly for young people, with the fact that you know we're still we're still minding ourselves. With, with COVID, everything is done online, we're living online, we're minding ourselves against COVID. I'd hate to be trying to get into the dating game at this stage or even trying to find someone to spend time with because it's all changed. It's all changed, yeah, like you said, especially the younger people, um, the socialising hasn't come back fully for them yet. Um, I know a few people that are going back, uh, working a few days a week now in the office and the rest at home. Yeah. And it's made such a huge difference to them to be back out meeting people again, meeting their work colleagues that have only been Zooming for the last year and a half. Yeah. Have we I all become introverted to... in a way, more introverted <clears throat> than we were? Um, I... 
I don't know about that because I think we are we are we're either introverts or extroverts really, but I think it can just affect people's mental health and people are a lot more aware nowadays of how important it is to look after our, ourselves in that regard and to reach out to people and you know, if they feel that the walls are closing in on them and they're at home alone working from home too much and in the evening they're on their own again. People are a lot more tuned in, I think, nowadays than before about how important it is to reach out and to talk to someone, to, if you can meet them, to, to uh, give them a call or something, but to definitely reach out to someone and yeah. say how you're feeling. And The biggest and hardest step is, is the first step. <clears throat> so any advice on that first step? Of if you want to meet somebody, yes. uh, a partner. Yeah. Um, well, I suppose what I find. Well, start is with, I suppose start with a good friend. <laughs> start with a bit of company, do you know? Yeah, well, yeah, you can. There's, I mean, if people come to me and they join my agency and I match them up with people, if people don't, if, if they're not interested in going down that road, um, there's, there's other, I mean, there's the simple way of um, asking a friend. Uh, does he or she know somebody that might suit you? Because you know, if you're <clears throat> if you're on your own and you have a good friend and he or she knows you well, but they also have a sister or a brother or a cousin and they know that person very well, and they might say, Do you know, the two of you might actually hit it off, you know. Um, and I think there's a bit of a matchmaker in all of us, and we'd love to match people up if we could, if we knew. If you knew someone that was single or that was in a relationship and it ended and, and they'd be thinking, God, do I know anyone now that, you know, you'd love to see them happy again. I think that's, I think that's just ingrained in all of us that we'd love to see people. Nobody wants to see could people. be accused of interfering too, of course, that's not. Well, as well, if you have a good relationship with somebody, you could yeah. say to them, you know, that I know so-and-so at work or something and, you know, he or she's their single or their widow or whatever the case may be. And, yeah. you know, I, I could set you up on a blind date or go for a coffee if it doesn't work out. It's not the end of the world. It's only yeah. an hour over a coffee and have a chat. And you just never know what you know, I, I like. I like that because we're, we're in a time now where we're all half afraid of each other as well because of the way mm. things are. And we don't yeah. really need to be, do we? Well, I suppose we have to take precautions, obviously. Yeah. But um, I, I think if, if we do take precautions, I mean, we're not doing anything stupid. Uh, you know, they, I think there is a way to go out and live your life, but protect yourself and protect others. And, um, you know, the, I think there is a way to, to find a balance there, yeah. uh, for sure. Well, if anyone wants to contact you, it's Two Hearts Meet. Etna Buckley is your uh, agency and uh, they can help uh, you can help them just to get somebody a friend or a contact or someone to chat to and who knows maybe more during these long dark winter evenings me or I sure listen there's the Queen Bee and there's Netflix can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Hi. Morning. Oh my gosh. Oh, What's wrong, Joanne? What's wrong? She's a bit shaky. Shaking. And I said, I tried to roll a cigarette and I'm shaking so much. And how many times has pop singer Madonna been married? Uh, Sean Penn and uh, the other lad. Two. She was married to Sean Penn and Guy Ritchie. Yeah. Which means she was married twice and you've just won two thousand
God. Oh, my God, you can roll a fag with a 50 or not. No, that is absolutely <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Another winner. There you go. Go, go, go. The Two Grand Minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. With phones, your Irish SIM-free specialist for 12 years. Any SIM, any network, any country. Phones.ie. Casey and Ross in the morning. On Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Just before moving on, it is just after 11. on the, the 11, Into the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. It's the moment the guns fell silent. And it's a moment when it's only right. And they do this all over the world. They do this a lot, mostly in Britain, obviously, but they do this all over the world. They remember the moment when the guns fell silent at the end of the Great War. 11 o'clock on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. And it's worth remembering that on this day, nearly 5,000 Cork men went to that war and never came back. Nearly 5,000. And those who did come back never spoke, never told about what they'd seen, what they'd experienced, what they'd suffered. And I remember doing stuff on this uh, years ago when books came out about the men who were lost in the Great War. Uh, the Cork men, thousands of them. Thousands of young, healthy men went off to fight in that war and never came home. And it is right that on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month that we remember them. And I just thought I'd say that before we kick off final hour today. Road, the roads are being uh, taken over by scooters. I have to say, they are. There are e-scooters now all over the place. And this is even before the legislation comes in to legalise them, because up to recently they were completely illegal. There's legislation on the table now to to regularise all that, but it's causing problems for people. Even the other morning, as I was driving in, what did I see coming down Southern Road, only this fella on an electric scooter, tearing down the footpath. And I thought, so they're going to legalise this crack? Joanne, for a number of reasons, uh, the, the new law is problematic for you. Good morning. Hi, PJ. PJ, I have to say, I'm I'm emotional there. <laughs> reminded me of my grandparents and, and all their family who went off to the war and who thankfully came back safe yeah. and sound, but not unaffected. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> you, you've thrown me a bit, but yeah, we're on to, yeah. The, the road traffic amendment bill is going through and it's the part covering e-scooters and e-bikes that are particularly, uh, I suppose, concerning. And I, I think like like I have low vision and we have an assistance dog for Bob with the autism. And it just, it came up to me as, you know, from our experiences over the years now and, and as our disabilities have evolved um, and ha- as road use and, and footpath use has evolved as well, I just feel it's really important that people um, 
get onto their public representatives now so that this legislation goes through as a robust piece that has public safety at its heart. Because mm. as I said, coming um, down Southern Road the other morning, and there's this yeah. fella shooting yeah. down the, the pavement. And I thought, they're going to legalise this crime? Yeah. Well, the thing is, I suppose, like, it's coming in and if we don't legalise it, then there, there's there's nothing to stop somebody coming down the pavement. I would argue that they should be outlawed from the pavement. Like, the, you know, there 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 is a speed involved in them. Like, the legislation that's going through now is going to cap that speed at 25 kilometres an hour, but that's still quite, a, you know, quite a speed and would create quite an impact. So it, it kind of generates a lot of questions. Like, I mean... There's there's a lot of disability organisations would argue for a, a lower speed limit, you know that and and that certainly I think should be taken into account as well, um. But certainly I would argue not on footpaths. Yeah. Um. There's other issues like, for, particularly for people who have uh, sight loss, um, hearing the scooter is a problem, you know, because that's obviously the only thing that will alert you to it. Yeah. If they you're are silent. Sight loss, They're very very it, silent. Yeah. They're very, very silent. Yeah. Um, so you'd have what we would argue for, like uh, it's called an alert vehicular acoustic system, which is like what they fit to the e-car or the electric cars and stuff now. So that you, it, it has a kind of an inherent noise going through it so that you are alerted to its presence. I mean, I'm not sure in one sense, uh, like again, you'd have to have, a, you know, there has to be a standard and regulation around those things because, Otherwise, like you come in at the minimum and it's left up to the supplier to, to, to you know, to, to install something that they require suitable. So it does have to be part of the legislation. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, you to, did to take your own situation now. I mean, you have, you have reduced vision and, and your son yeah. Bob has an assistance dog. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, the one thing you don't want to do, for example, is spook a dog like that. An assistance, yeah. Yeah, and I mean you've guide dogs and everything like and like I always say to people like you know who who kind of don't understand the distractions and the 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 work that a dog has to do in those situations, but like a dog is only a dog's brain, like so they're concentrating all the time on their the person that they're looking after, the journey they're on, the the they're taking into account all of the traffic, all of the obstacles on the footpath, and they're having to make judgments about those. To, based on their training so that that dog is really concentrating and working and everything is going into it and if you include then um e-scooters and all of those things into the mix and they like you're you're again setting a higher challenge again for the dog yeah. so that dog is, is putting all that energy in you have to be careful then if you're handling the you know if you're sorry as the handler as the, the person who's yeah, who's working the dog um, you know, that that dog is able to cope with those that it's not, you know, because you're, that dog has the safety of the person that they're working with yeah. in their care. So you're you're adding a whole load to the mix then. So it all has repercussions then. Yeah. Like we've had situations like where people have tried to cut through us. Yeah. The, you know, so things like that. So you have... Yeah, there, there's another element that has to be considered as well, and that's public awareness around all of those things to do with the use of e-scooters. I would probably argue that they, they need, 
you know, there needs to be some kind of, uh, you know, licensing or, uh, you know, you, you can't just get up on them and, and just drive them because that, like, and you are driving them like that's the, that's the problem. Yeah. It's, it's in the legislation as, as described as driving. So, you know, there needs to be some standard around that. The minimum standard for what I can see in the legislation, and it might have changed now because they were discussing it in the dial yesterday, but, you know, at the moment, like the minimum is 16 years of age and that's kind of the only regulation around it and you can't use a mobile phone. But mm-hmm. like, say for instance, now, could I use a scooter? Like, I wouldn't pass a driving test, but could I use a scooter? Yeah. You know, things like that, I think, all need to be tightened up around it. And because so they are, we a, would they are a people, motor vehicle, you know, whether, whether you, way you look at it. They are a motor vehicle, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, they are. And, like, if somebody, if there's a collision, who's, who, you know, are, is there insurance around it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, how, how do you yeah. identify? yeah. Yeah, you know, there, there's a lot of issues like and I, I would just be fearful like that the legislation will go through in a weakened state. And then we have because you see as well, it's it's one of these um, pieces of legislation that is really to do with clean modes of transport. Right. And that that's kind of that that's in it is primarily the, the sort of focus that it's it's taking. But with that, then like you know, we have to put in the public safety element. Like, yeah. if it's going forward as a clean mode of transport, it will be marketed because you're selling a product. Like, their companies would want to market this to us. Yeah. So, uh, therefore, we need uh, restrictions and, and regulation around it. I've often remarked, um, you know, um, Joanne, that when we're legislating for something in this country, we don't actually, yeah. at least I don't think we do, we don't sit and look at how this might be exploited, what are the pitfalls, because we have to come back afterwards and fix stuff. So you shouldn't have to amend in a year's time what you should have put in today. No, exactly, yeah. yeah. And you see, like, it's one thing to sort of think about these things as being convenient, say, in in the centre of Cork or something, you know, where people want to, you know, they might do um, a scheme with the council, like the e-bikes and things like that and, and just, you know, they're grand for tourists pottering around the city. But you have to think as well, like who uses the city? Like like we have like a lot of shared space in there now that did draw problems when for people with disabilities um, with all the lockdowns and the street furniture and all that. Mm. So like how do you regulate shared space? That it- has to be looked into. So you definitely need areas where there is no goal like... Um, you know, areas that where there's speed limits for them, maybe around schools, things like that. Um, I say, for instance, now somebody came up to me yesterday when I was talking about it, and you know, they're from uh, down East Cork direction. She was saying like that there are uh, e-scooters on the footpaths in Yall. Like Yall is a medieval town with tiny streets and tiny footpaths. Mm-hmm. Like. You know, it, it's so in those areas, like, again, you kind of need to take a step back and say, OK, like, how do we do this so that everybody is safe yeah. when they're doing it? Well, I think you're, you want to make very clear, Joanne, is that you, you, you're you not opposed to these scooters being out there oh, and no. being legal. But you no. just want it no. done that in a way that no. takes into consideration your needs, Bob needs and others. others. Uh, yeah, and others like it, like it, that it's primarily that there's public safety at its heart because if you don't have that like and it's safety for 
the users of the scooters as well because they're very vulnerable. Yeah. Oh, I you can't know, imagine. Like, you'd nothing. come down off those things like a ton of bricks, like. I would, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think you'd be very dangerous. And like, there's nothing in, uh, you, you'd want it in the legislation as well that they're well lit, that they have daytime lighting, that they have safety elements built into them. Yeah. You know, for the, the safety of the user. But, you know, there, 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 so there's a whole range. And even like, you know, for the, the road safety element that, you know, people need to have road safety as part of their, you know, if there's a licensing element to it. Yeah. Do you think, um, do you think, that, do you think finally, Joanne? Because what I've seen, like there's no road, like yeah. the people I've seen using it are, Awareness are is low. disregarding do, road safety. Yeah. Do you think finally place? that there should be for, and it's, it, it, it's a talking point for listeners. If you're going to put an e-bike on the road, should you have to pay for a license? You see, that's that's a big question, and like that, that's kind of literally where the rubber hits the road, kind of thing. Um, I think that that's where it really needs to be teased out. The problem is if you don't have licensing, really, you don't have kind of regulation. So, like, say, okay, who's enforcing the safety element? Well, it's going to be the guards. So how, if you have a collision or anything happens, how, how are they going to pin it? You know, how are they going to, to, to enforce anything around that? Yeah. If there isn't some form of licensing, like we had it as well, like, no, um, oh, like consistently now, you know, you'd get kind of clipped, you know, as you'd be crossing the, uh, down in where there's mixed juice, um, you know, laneways and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like cyclists and things um, the thing is like how do you if you were injured like how do you you know say well like it was you yeah how, how do you get how do you get compensa- compensated and taken care of if you happen to be injured by one of these things Joanne it's a debate that's ongoing because the legislation is being put together. We good good to speak with you again. That's Joanne, uh, mother to young Bob, who has an assistance dog. And just putting it out there, look, these e-bikes, e-scooters, call them what you they are. They are the future. They they are the way forward. But we also need to be very safety conscious when we go about putting them on the road. So I'll throw it out there for what it's worth and see what you think. If you're going to put one of these motorised vehicles, for that is what they are, on the road, should you need some form of licence? Should you need some form of insurance? It's a motorised vehicle, after all. PJ bikes, e-scooters and skateboards are a constant on footpaths. One has to look up and down now before stepping out a door. Whole families are cycling on the footpaths. I'm aware because I've experienced of a relative of diminished sight and hearing. If a scooter crashes into a car, who pays for the damage? Mary Jane says, I'm scalded from them. I don't know how many times I've nearly been taken out by them on the footpath. This is a golden opportunity to train, regulate, ensure, identify them all. Uh, you can't have a free-for-all. You need training and you need licensing. And, you, and Tom says the big issue is they'll be afraid of the cars, they'll be on the pavements, there'll be no floor traffic, so they'll be ducking and weaving and stressed and there's going to be an awful accident with a scooter losing control and hitting people. There's a, I was in Germany. People were using the scooters on the footpaths there too. I have a scooter myself, but I don't think people should be using them on the footpaths. You need a license for a dog, says Ger. 
But you should definitely have to get one for all of these electric bikes and scooters. Your thoughts. What do you think? We're about to legalise in the Road Traffic Act the use of these e-scooters. So, question for you. Should you have to have a licence? And should you have to have some form of insurance before you can use them? 1850 Hi PJ, thank you so much for acknowledging Armistice Day. Uh, and thank you for that mention. It's the least I can do for the thousands of Irishmen and Corkmen in particular who went there. Some came back damaged and never spoke about it, but some didn't come back at all. And to this day, their descendants don't know where they finished up. And it's well, worth saying it, and we should never forget them. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. See mig.ie. Feels good. Cork's 96FM's 10K toy giveaway is back. I, I, I got a pocket full of cash money. We're giving away loads of 500 euro toy shopping sprees for free. For free. Take you on a shopping spree. Listen to Casey and Ross in the morning and all day long. Then text or WhatsApp in for your chance to win. On 083 396 96 96. Cork's 96 FM's 10K toy giveaway starts Monday from 6 a.m. With Douglas Village Shopping Centre for toys, food, fashion, and lifestyle. 50 years at the heart of the village. Only on Cork. 96 FM, the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now 083 396 96 96 on Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, your thoughts about that welcome between now and midday uh, by text or WhatsApp. Pop us a voice message if you want to also uh, 083 396 96 96. But now that we are about to legalize the use of e scooters on our roads and on our streets should a person who's using an e-scooter have to have a license or have to have insurance of some kind before they can take that motorised vehicle out on the road Mick says I are Nick I have a cousin with an e-bike you can get to 60 kilometres an hour good lord the thought of him being allowed on the road with no helmet and insurance is just wrong absolutely yes says D needs to be a licence it's only a matter of time before there's a death. I also think there should be training. And people need a clear understanding of the bikes and the rules of the road and the right of way and all of that. Your thoughts? Should we have them licensed and insured as motor vehicles? 1850 We're focusing today, and we'll be doing it throughout the month, on Movember. We're looking at men's health. Let's look in particular for now on the issue of men's mental health. And the Two Norries podcast has become not just a national now, but an international brand for Timmy and James. And I'm joined by uh, Timmy Long. Timmy, when you started with the podcast, did you have any idea how big it would become and how important in the mental health discussion space it would become? Good morning to you. Morning, PJ. Um, no, you know it was it was definitely not something that we we could foresee how how um how 
well, it was being accepted by by people, particularly men and women, you know, and people suffering from all forms of addiction, mental health problems, you know, it, it was their go-to on a weekly basis to help them to deal with whatever struggle they were going they were going through in their life, you know. What do you think was the attraction of it? When you, I mean, when you when you when you went to set it up yourself and James, I always remember laughing about James about with it at the time. You know, he said, "God, oh, we'll see how it goes, and and hopefully, and hopefully, it'll take off." Take off is not the word; it has flown for you. Mm, yeah, it's definitely um, it's definitely after taking its own kind of road. Really, it's um, it's it's amazing how um, how it's after taking off but people really really seem to enjoy it for what it is the authenticity of it you know the realness the rawness and the guests the guests are just normal people you know they're normal people from everyday lives they're construction workers they're office workers they're working class people you've all forms of of people from different classes as well so um it doesn't kind of it doesn't kind of pinpoint addiction and mental health to one class. It it opens it up to every form of class, you know. Have you learned, Anthony, the two of you, about mental health and addiction? Your own experience mm. is what you brought to the podcast, but have you learned anything else since you started doing it? Yes, uh, definitely. I've learned that there's so many different methods of get, making your own mental health better and, and learning and being able to come out of that blackness that, that some people live, you know, the depression, the anxiety. Um, it's a horrible place to be in, you know, mm. trapped in, 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 in complete hopelessness. And like my form of release from that was through meditation because I wouldn't have been educated at the time and I couldn't sit and read a book or, and try to understand things because... I was in survival mode at the time and for anybody that understands this, when you're really caught up in the the, the, in survival mode, it's very, very hard to retain any form of information and to understand it. So meditation was the only thing that I tried and like, it wasn't easy. You know, I hear so many people saying, oh, I can't do meditation. It's not for me. You know, I can't sit for two minutes. I was one of those people that could barely sit. I had to literally stand. I had to literally put my two hands up top of my two legs and stop them from shaking. Um, when I would sit for meditation and I started with a few minutes and I just kept growing it and growing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any exciting guests or any in particularly interesting guests coming up? In, are you marking November on the podcast? Yeah. Um, well, at the moment, I don't know. I'm I'm actually at home, stuck in my bedroom, isolating for with COVID. Oh no! And it's <laughs> have you got it, or yeah, are you just so trying to wait and wait on the result of a test? No, I got my results earlier in the week, um, so I ha- I have it probably since, since the weekend. So yeah, I'm here now until next week. But it's really given me time to look at my own life and uh, just do a bit of meditation and just kind of give myself a little bit of a a break away from the world because things were getting a bit mental there for a while. Yeah. We were so busy, and you know, so it's it's great to just pull back as well, PJ. At times when you feel yourself really getting stressed out and caught up in the rat race of life, yeah, it's really important to pull yourself back and and just ask yourself a few questions in terms of 
do I really need to do all this? Do I need to be this busy, you know? And what can I do to change it, you know? There is a thing, actually, and I I hope you'll get through the the isolation and that COVID won't rear up on you in in any serious way, Timmy. But I suppose one thing the the pandemic has taught us, if we were willing to learn, and I put that in as a caveat, if we were willing to learn, that it is so essential to take even 15 minutes a day and say, this is for me. It's critical and it's very important to understand that as well, that we do need to be able to sit with ourselves at some point in our day and just just even breathe and just look at life in a realistic way and, and say what is good for me and what is not good for me, you know, and, and that's something I've realised in the last few days there. I was letting, with the new businesses that we were after starting, I was after getting so caught up in them and, you know, it, it was I was all over the place. I was running here to go there and I was coming back from work and fast dinner. I was out the door to do a podcast. I was coming home. Then I was catching up in paperwork and giving out quotes and emails. You know, I, I was completely burnt out at every end and um, my my mental health was being affected. My relationships were being affected, you know, and, and this is giving me a massive opportunity here now to look at my yeah, life and well, just... Well, and, and once the old physical health holds up, this could end up being a, being a yeah. mental health break for you, uh, Timmy. Yeah. All right, bye. <laughs> yeah. Wish yeah. you well with it. Yes, good luck with the isolation and hope it doesn't turn into anything more nasty than that. Timmy Long from Tunari's podcast with us to mark uh, Movember and the importance of minding our health, men in particular, Minding our health and minding, in that case, our, in that sense, our mental health. 1850-715-996. Good luck to, to Timmy in his isolation. I tell you something, lads, with regard to bikes and scooters. A question coming in and again and again. If, if a scooter crashes into a car, who pays for the damage? You go. 1850 715 996. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Right, tend to check in uh, once again, possibly for the last time, uh, with COP26, which concludes in Glasgow tomorrow. The implications of it, of course, will continue for many a long week and month to come. But it's been two weeks of very intense discussion, negotiation and argument on the future of the planet and what we need to do to stop the climate disaster from getting any worse. So we know and we accept, we have to accept, and we're complete idiots, we have to accept that there's a a crisis with our climate and our planet is getting warmer and we need to change our behaviour to to, to at least arrest that, if not reverse it. And there's a duty for all of us here to do something, some little thing. But we're not world leaders. A hundred not world leaders have been meeting in Glasgow for the last couple of weeks. And among the, the delegations over there from Ireland has been a delegation from UCC, led by Dr. Owen Lettuce from the School of Biological Earth and Environmental Science and the Environmental Research Institute at UCC. And as COP26 draws to a close, I've been speaking with Owen. Owen, as we come to the end of this enormous event, you've had a chance to read over 
the draft agreement which will eventually lead to COP26's final statement. In layman's terms, what's in there and, and are you happy with it? Um, I think lots of positives and lots of negatives, to be honest, um, or lots of things missing, things that we would have hoped to see in there and aren't yet in there. Now, uh, a week is a long time in politics, and, and it seems like a week is a long time in uh, COP26 as well. Uh, so I think what we'll see over the next few days is jockeying of positions positions amongst the the government ministers who are here uh, and I suppose pressure will come to bear um, because what what what's in the draft is 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 a starting point but it isn't isn't sufficient um, I think if if the governments finish on Friday or maybe Saturday morning or whenever they finish um, and present this to the world at large I think there'll be not only disappointment I think there'll be real anger um, if uh, things like the 100 billion uh, needed for developing countries mm. per year, if that's not delivered, uh, things like 1.5, we, we may not get to 1.5, but we should be heading in that direction. Uh, this is 1.5 degrees C warming by the end of the century. So mm. there's, um, there's some things which uh, are good in there. I like, um, as a biologist, I like um, that um, what are called nature-based solutions are, yeah. are indicated in there um, and they recognize the, the sort of critical role that nature plays in all of this, uh, not just for mitigating uh, the effects of climate change, so soaking up carbon, but also helping countries to adapt um, to a changing climate. I've just left a, um, a meeting uh, that was hosted by uh, the Association for Island States um, and, uh, you know, island states like Fiji and the Seychelles, they're under real, real pressure. Uh, there was a minister there from, this, from Fiji talking about they've already moved six villages, moved six villages. So right. if you can imagine a, a village down in West Cork or wherever, um, Fiji are actually moving whole villages to um, make way for the, the rising sea levels and the, okay. the changing climate. And he, he said there's 40 other uh, villages to move. So I think if, if we don't get a, a, a more, um, uh, I suppose, a more uh, optimistic and a more um, powerful document by, by Friday, I think there'll be real anger, and rightly so, amongst people who are already suffering uh, the effects of climate change. There's ideology on the one hand, Owen, and then there's practicality on the other. You hope, don't you, that these kind of conferences and documents like this will meet someplace in the middle? You do, you do of course, and, there, and there, there will be compromise and this document coming out at the end of the week, the, the final agreement from COP26, that will be compromised. That will, everything about that will be compromised from, uh, you know, countries uh, that... Uh, want to change urgently, not just today, but, but yesterday. Um, you know, the countries that are suffering most. And, and what, what those countries say, I've heard it repeatedly from, from some of these small island nations and some of these countries that are feeling the ravages of, of climate change already, far more so than we are, and, and we are feeling the, 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 the changing climate in Ireland. But what they're saying is that we did nothing to caused this we did nothing to deserve this mm. um, and so we need help to, um, to, to to overcome 
uh, and to prepare for what's coming next. And this is where the 100 billion per year for developing countries comes in. Um, so there, there, there's a, you know, there's those countries on the one hand, and then there's other countries who, uh, for whatever reason, be they economic reasons or be they maybe not ideological reasons, but political reasons, let's say, um, don't want to budge. Uh, or if they want to budge, they want to budge really, really slowly um, and give kind of never-ending targets in 2070, 2080, end of the century. You know, I, I think talking to the scientists here in COP26, uh, you know, there's a real sense of urgency that, that um, changes you know, really fundamental changes in how we uh, grow our food, how we produce our food, how we uh, power our cars, how we power industry, our homes, and so on. All of that needs to change radically, um, uh, not just today, but as I said yesterday, it, it, it really is urgent at, the, at this stage. You mentioned Fiji and, and what's happening over there. Also, I was speaking to a young woman last week who is from India, and she explained how her home village in Kerala was devastated by floods so many times in the last couple of years. I suppose sitting here in Cork, Owen, we wonder to ourselves, well, what the heck can we do about that? Surely there's nothing I can do about that, is there? Well, I think that if if we all said that, if every country uh, in the EU or every uh, Western developed country said that, um, you know, we'd get nowhere. And uh, there has to be a sense of leadership. There has to be a sense of leadership from Ireland, for instance, because we're part of the EU, we're part of the world uh, that has historically produced huge amounts of carbon. Um, you know, per capita, we're up there with the, the highest uh, emitters, hmm. uh, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, we can't wash our hands of this. We can't say it's not our problem. Um, when you certainly, when you look at at, at the, the uh, incidents you talked about from India, when you look at uh, Fiji, the Seychelles, and so on, uh, there is, um, you know, those are the people who who um, historically haven't been uh, emitting huge volumes of carbon. Uh, they're currently not emitting these huge volumes of carbon, but they are bearing the brunt of it. And, and they're bearing the brunt of it today. We'll be bearing the brunt of it uh, in the next mm. few years and the next decade and the next and the decade after that. So I, th- I think there, there can be a sense of, of, of impending doom and, and sort of, well, I can't do anything. So, you know, I'll just wash my hands and I'll just ignore the problem. Mm. No, that, that wasn't the sense in which I was asking you that, Owen. It, it was the sense of, well, I'm here doing my best with my recycling. I'm doing my best to change what I use fuel-wise, how I heat my home, get myself an electric car when it's practicable. All those little things we're all doing individually. You feel a bit helpless when you look at a television video from Fiji or from India. Yeah, I suppose you do. You, there is that sense of helplessness, but uh, you're right in saying, you know, we uh, in Ireland are in the lucky position, I suppose, to be able to maybe sometimes buy a, buy a new car or, you know, uh, renovate our homes and, uh, you know, buy nice things and buy nice food. And I suppose the, the message from here is that in everything that we do and everything that we consume and everything that we, uh, that we buy and that we sell, that there has to be a radical change in terms of making that more sustainable. So if it's if it's uh, how we 
move ourselves around, how we do transport. There has to be uh, a move towards more climate-friendly uh, um, uh, transport, be that cycling, walking, and if not that, then electric vehicles hmm. uh, and so on. So, so dotted around, um, there's, there's different teams for different days here. So there's a transport day, there's an energy day, there's a, a food day and so on. And, um, uh, and so every facet of our, our lives really hmm. are being kind of picked over and, and discussed and kind of saying, well, how can we do this more sustainably? So sitting at home in Cork, uh, as I will be hopefully next week, you know, it's, it's about thinking, you know, um, can I walk instead of, of get the car? Can I uh, do, do more in terms of public transport? Can I, um, you know, if I'm renovating my home, am I doing it in the most sustainable way yeah. uh, possible? Not just to save me money, but also to, to uh, produce less carbon. On the, the agreement that will be signed in the, in, in the days to come, um, a bit done, more to do would be your observation? Yeah, I think I think that's it. Um, the I'm part of the UCC delegation, and we just uh, briefly um, managed to catch up with um, Mary Robinson, former President Mary Robinson, and mm -hmm. we we had a, just a, a few uh, minutes, really, just to to chat with her and and asked her, you know, how how she's feeling and and about the about the draft report, and she was saying, well there's lots of hooks there there's lots of things that that may be added in later so, you know you can see it's a it's a, a it's a work in progress mm. so it really is um, a lot done more to do um you know i think i mean on the big ticket items there is the the the, the document expresses uh, and i'm quoting here serious concern um, that this adaptation finance is insufficient, they say. This is the money set aside globally to, like we were just talking about, help people to change their ways. Yes, and, and particularly help developing nations to, to do that because, uh, as I said, they will uh, rightly point out that they did not cause this, um, so they need help to, uh, to to deal with the consequences, I suppose. And, and it's the big you know, countries, Ireland is part of that, but also, you know, US, China, Russia, and so on, who need to dig deep into their pockets um, and, and find that money. And now they're saying, I think in the draft document, they're saying, well, that, that will probably happen by 2023, but it was supposed to happen by 2020. So, I mean, you know, it might seem like a few years, but a few years is, is uh, a long time if, if you're a country having to, as I said earlier, move move villages, move whole villages, build defences against flooding, uh, you know, build new, um, new, new infrastructure because of the ravages of, of climate change. Another year is another flooding disaster. Another flooding disaster is more lives lost. And that's where they are coming from. Oh, and you mentioned being with the UCC delegation. We should be very proud of UCC and its commitment to sustainability. Maybe we don't realise it here at home, just how highly regarded UCC is these days. Well, the, the UCC delegation of observers to, to this conference, uh, we're the only um, university in Ireland to, be, uh, to have official observer status um, under the UNFCCC framework. So what that means is, is uh, we had four um, 
uh, staff and students uh, last week. We've got another four this week, including myself, read, uh, led by Professor Brian O'Gallagher. Um, and we're here along with thousands of other observers from, from uh, NGOs, from uh, charities, from uh, youth, youth organisations to observe what's happening and really just to make sure that, that the governments don't try and slip off the hook, let's say, and to put pressure um, and to report back and doing things like I'm doing right now with you. So, uh, yeah, UCC is incredibly proud to, to be here and to be part of this. Uh, and I suppose UCC has a has a, a well-known commitment uh, to the environment. Uh, our Green Campus program is, um, you know, um, phenomenally successful. Um, you know, we're the first university in Ireland to get a, in the world actually to get a, a green flag for sustainability. Um, we've committed already to reduce our uh, carbon emissions by 51% by 2030, and we've committed to be carbon neutral by 20. Uh, 50 were ranked ninth in the world for sustainability. I could go on, but yeah. uh, in everything that we do in, in terms of our teaching, in terms of our research, in terms of the practice of how we actually run the campus and power the campus and, and uh, I suppose our grounds and our, our, our arboretum and, uh, and so on, mm. everything that we do is uh, with the climate and biodiversity crisis in, in mind. So, uh, yeah, we're leading the way there, uh, hopefully, and we, we, we aim to continue doing that. Owen, safe journey back, and uh, thank you for being with us today. Thanks, PJ. We recorded that before at the emotional speech or the emotional interview that Mary Robinson gave yesterday and before this news overnight that China and America are willing to work together um, on, on the sustainability. Uh, that, that, so that's own letters from UCC uh, speaking to me yesterday. 1850 reminder to you to get together for your Christmas jumper day in association with Cork Simon. We're getting together with them, asking you to host your Christmas jumper day this year once again. Whenever you, you feel safest, in the office or at home or do it on Zoom with your friends. Just get your fundraising pack at corksimon.ie and join Corks 96 FM to help fight homelessness in Cork. Just on e-scooters. Crikey, what a response. I came across a person on a scooter on the main road on a roundabout. I was driving home from Middleton to Cove. It was getting dark. Couldn't believe my eyes. Met a scooter going through Bishopstown. There were two of them on the same scooter all over the road. I overtook and met traffic and I braked, and they flew into the back of me, and I was delighted. Well, I'm not sure we can endorse that, but thanks. It's very handy for people who can't afford the likes of insurance these days, or disqualified drivers that need their own transport. Okay. Limiters on high pedestrian zones is the answer for any rental model for e-scooters. They do that in Auckland and in Singapore. And this one came into us on WhatsApp voice note. Hi PJ, yeah, just in relation there to e-scooters and bikes, uh, I think that they shouldn't need licence, but they should get fines, personal fines, if they drive erratically and cause a nuisance, they should be fined, brought to court. Okay, thanks for that. <clears throat> We're an island surrounded by wave energy and a very windy climate. Electricity should be embarrassingly cheap here. Our government's lack of foresight and investment has ensured we very few options when it comes to energy. If everything we use, sell and buy didn't have as much tax and VAT on it, then maybe people would have more money to invest in electric vehicles. Our public transport is also a joke. 
and not enough of that powered by electricity either. We should lead by example. Thank you for that. The programme edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Friday comes round again, and we'll see you for it just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Ross's daughter Emily is 13 and she's on TikTok. She's been booted off TikTok. Yeah. Oh. She's been kicked off. This happened on Monday. How is she? Uh, sorry, how does she feel about it? Is she, she right? There was an existential crisis and oh, a panic. I can imagine. She's like, I posted a photograph because it was Carly's communion. It says here that I'm a minor drinking alcohol. I wasn't drinking any alcohol. Show me the video that you posted. It was a video of her with a bottle of Sidona. <laughs> <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with No DC Cars Blackpool for Skoda in the City, a long standing tradition in Cork. Open 24 7 at NoDC.com. Cork's 96FM. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.